Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. All right, we are in our final week of the I'm So Sorry message series. And so if you've been with us over the last four weeks, um, you know what we've been talking about. If you haven't, let me catch you up. We have been talking about how to deal with the weight of guilt and shame. And this is a thing that is real to all of us. We all know what it feels like to be guilty or ashamed about something that we have done in our past. That word regret. Those things that we regret, it's very easy. If I just said, what, what do you regret most in your life? It's the thing that comes to your mind that you're hoping no one else knows about, but that you can't seem to stop from coming to your mind when I ask you what you regret most in this world. We all have them, and we've all wrestled with that. And so over the last several weeks, we've been talking about dealing with guilt and shame, and really, what is God's plan for us? What is the purpose of guilt uh, and shame in our lives? Because the reality is this, is we've, we've racked up this moral debt. There's a moral debt, even if, it's, even if you aren't a Bible person or a church person and you're not interested in saying, I've, you know, I've built up a, a spiritual moral debt, there are moral choices that you have made that have violated your own moral standard and your own moral code. There's a standard by which you expect yourself to live and you expect other to live, others to live, and you have violated that. You have racked up a moral debt. Every single one of us have done just that. And dealing with that moral debt is one of the things that, that people, they, they work their whole lives trying to figure out, how do, I, how do I get rid of that debt that I owe morally to myself, to the people I've hurt, to God? And we talked about how, how Jesus came and Jesus ultimately paid the price to deal with our moral debt, complete, just to wipe it away. And that Jesus' plan for us, God's plan through Jesus, was to not only wipe it away, but to give us a brand new clean start and to clear our permanent record so that we could, we could just be starting from scratch. And that when God, as a result of what Jesus did, looks at us, he doesn't see the things that we feel guilty about. He doesn't see the things that we've done wrong, even though we may know that we're forgiven, but we still hold on to those things. God just sees a perfectly cleared and clean record because of what Jesus did in our lives. And last week, we really kind of weighed in on that fact that Jesus cleared our permanent record. Your moral record in Jesus is clear. You have a totally fresh and clean new start. Now, we could stop right there, but I felt like there was one more thing as it relates to dealing with guilt and shame that I, I felt like we needed to talk about if we are really going to truly be free of the bondage and the chains of, of guilt. And the bondage and chains of feeling ashamed and the bondage and the chains of regret. And so we're going to look at a story from the life of Jesus. Now, Jesus used parables to communicate spiritual truths. Basically what a parable was, it, it's like a, it was a fable or a story that Jesus would tell, an allegory that he would tie to spiritual truths. And often he used these things to communicate to religious leaders who were trapped in their own lines of religious thought, who were, were, were stuck in their ways of religious thinking, or he was talking to people who didn't really have a religious understanding, but, but he could speak in simple truths in ways that they could grasp and apply to their lives. And in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells a story that I think is very relevant to us in dealing with guilt and shame in our lives. And this is what he says. He says, therefore... The kingdom of heaven can be compared to, and then he continues. So a lot of times he would say this. He would say, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like this. And that's what he's saying here. The kingdom of God, God's desired relationship with us, the way that God works in the real world, the way that God works in our lives can be compared to this. That's what Jesus is saying. And he continues. Kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who has decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process... One of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. And he couldn't pay it. 
So his master, the king, ordered that that man be sold along with his wife and his children and everything that he owned in order to pay the debt. This guy owed millions of dollars to the king. And the king said, you know what? In order to pay this debt that you racked up, I'm going to sell you and your wife and your children. You're now sold into slavery until this debt is paid. So you're going to work. I'm going to sell you and the money I'm going to make from your sale will go towards the debt. And then everything you do, every, every bit of work you do will go towards paying off this debt until it's done. And then when the debt is, is paid, you know, you can find your freedom again. And here's the thing. In ancient Jewish thought, in first century, this is just. For ancient Jewish thought, I mean, the Jewish law said this, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That when you rack up a debt, that debt must be repaid. So Jesus' Jewish audience, they hear this story and they're like, well, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. You can't rack up millions of dollars of debt and expect it to just go away and expect to not have to deal with it. And the thing is, like, this isn't even just an ancient thought, right? I mean, this is like a real world, like, today thought. You hurt me, I hurt you. An eye for an eye. I mean, watch one episode of The Real Housewives, and you know that this is true, right? Okay, this is how things still are today. And here we find this guy, and he owed money, and he couldn't pay. He racked up a debt. We get it. You say something on Facebook. Okay, well, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to fire something back on Facebook. You know, you hurt me. I'm going to find a way to come back and hurt you because I keep it real, okay? I keep it real. Don't mess with me. Don't front. This is going to happen. You hurt me. I'm going to hurt you back. This is the world. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We get it. And, and for many of us, it's fair, right? It's just. But Jesus, he continues, and he says this. He says in Matthew 18, 26, But the man who had millions of dollars, he fell down before his master, and he begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay all of it. Just please don't sell me. Don't sell my family. Just have patience. Just have some mercy. I promise you, I will take care of this. I will take care of the debt that I have racked up to you. And then his master was filled with pity for him. And he released him. And get this. He released him and forgave his debt. He owed him millions of dollars. Throws himself to the feet of his king and his master, and he begged for mercy. Just, he didn't even ask to be forgiven of the debt, did he? He just asked for patience. Just please be patient. It may take me five years. It may take me 10 years, but I promise you, I will take care of this debt. And I know I have to take care of this debt because that's, that's the world we live in. I racked up a debt. I need to pay it back. But here's the, I will just please have mercy on me. And his master Jesus, describing the kingdom of God, describing who God is and the relationship that God desires to have with us, Jesus says this, that his master looked down on him, had mercy, felt pity for him, and he forgave millions of dollars of debt. For a guy who just a minute ago was about to be sold into slavery, and he said, your debt is forgiven, you are free, because I'm offering my mercy and my grace to you. Now, this was not common Jewish thought. This was, the Jewish system was built on dealing with your debts. We talked about this in, you know, the first week of our, our message series, about how the Jewish system was sacrifice. And when you rack up a spiritual or a moral debt with your sin, the way that you deal with that debt with God is that you sacrifice something. You kill something. Something has to die to pay for the debt that you racked up. This idea of just blanket forgiveness was, was not common in Jewish thought. They, they would get down with mercy, 
Because mercy would say, well, okay, I'll extend you mercy. I will, I will give you more time at this interest rate. You know, I won't sell you into slavery. But I, I'll give you some more time. You're going to pay a little bit more, but I'll extend some mercy and grace to you. But overall forgiveness? No, this is not how they, they saw things, how they understand a relationship with God. Forgiveness? Never. And yet Jesus says this is what the kingdom of God is like. You owe a debt to your master. And it is just for him to demand payment for that debt. And yet, in his love, and in his mercy, and in his grace, he offers complete and blanket forgiveness for the debt that you owed. It's not even on your credit report anymore. It is gone. And that is the kingdom of God. And that is the relationship that God desires to have with each and every one of us. A relationship where your debts, your regrets are gone. I about went into some slam poetry right there. It was going to be awesome. It was about to be deaf poetry up in here. They're gone. Because that's the God that Jesus brought into the world. That's the God that Jesus proclaimed was desiring a new relationship with his people, with each and every single one of us. And here's the thing. Jesus could have stopped right there with this beautiful portrait of God's heart, this beautiful image and perspective on who God is. But there's more about forgiveness that Jesus wanted us to understand. And so he didn't stop there, and he kept going in Matthew 18, verse 28. He says this, But when the man who had owed millions of dollars left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. And he grabbed this man who owed him a few thousand dollars by the throat, and he demanded instant payment. And his fellow servant fell down before him, and he begged for just a little more time. Please, just give me a little more time. I, will, I promise you, I will take care of this debt. Just extend me mercy. You can charge me a little more interest, but give me time. Have mercy on me, and I will take care of this. Be patient, and I will pay it. He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. And in that moment, he had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. No joke. Moments ago, we see that the man who had millions of dollars had been completely forgiven of his debt after he begged for mercy. And then he turns around, and a debtor who owes him a couple thousand dollars comes to him asking for mercy. And our guy, who has walked away scot-free, our guy whose moral debt and his financial debt has been completely wiped away, goes to the person who owes him a few thousand. And he has him sold into slavery and imprisoned until his debt can be paid. Now, Jesus' response from his audience is very much the same to how we would think about it. It's kind of shocking. And even though Jesus' Jewish audience was a little bit of an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, I mean, when these two things are presented side by side, when, when this, this mercy that Jesus describes God wanting to have with us is side by side with the way that our system works, or the Jewish system had worked, the eye for an eye, it was a little jarring, it was a little shocking, but here's the thing, someone hurts us, we hurt them back. Someone owes us, they should pay it back. The punishment should fit the crime. The payment should fit the debt. It's only fair, right? It's fair. He borrowed money, he should pay it back. And if we lived in a world where these two different ways of dealing with debt were equal, right? If we lived in a world where it was just two different ways, everything would be cool because I could have the option of showing mercy and forgiving a debt, and people would think that was super sweet and I'd be super cool, 
But I also want the option to be able to say, no, you owe me a debt. You've racked up a moral debt with me, and you should pay it back. And we should live in a world where that's okay too, where I have the choice to forgive a debt or I have a choice to demand that a debt is repaid. And if we lived in a world where those two things were equal, everything would be, you know, hunky-dory. Everything would be fine. And the thing is, many of us think we live in that world. We love the idea that we have the option of total forgiveness for the people who have hurt us, for the people who have wronged us. But we also love the option that we can demand payment for what they owe us at the same time. Because I love to imagine myself being the person who forgives, but I also love the fact that I'm not bad if I don't. And so we want both of those things to exist in equality with each other. But, but Jesus, I mean, we should know better with Jesus. Because we go back to his story, the king actually found out what the man who, who had owed him millions of dollars, who'd been forgiven, the king finds out what he did. And the king called in the man he had forgiven. And he said, he looks at him in the face and he says, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And I didn't put it on the screen, but then Jesus says this. That's the end of his story. Jesus says this to his audience. He says, that's how God will deal with with you. That's how God will deal with you. You see, there's a man who'd been forgiven millions of dollars of debt. He could have walked into the sunset. He was free and clear. He could have stepped away from all of that, and the only thing that kept him from having his happy ever after was his unforgiveness. You see, a man had been forgiven a tremendous debt, but he held unforgiveness in his heart for something that was considerably smaller than anything that he had ever owed and anything that he had done. And his unforgiveness took him from a place where he was totally free, completely set free of his debts. He was a free man, and his unforgiveness moved him back into a place where he was sold into slavery, locked up in prison, and made to pay his entire debt. And here's a key point that I want to make sure you grasp, that you understand. Maybe you write this down. Maybe you think about this. Maybe some of you need to get this tattooed on the back of your hand so that when you look at your watch, you see this as well. But you need to know this. Unforgiveness is self-imposed slavery. When we harbor unforgiveness in our hearts, and this is what Jesus wanted to communicate. When you harbor unforgiveness in your heart, when there's people in your life who you are unwilling to forgive, you are imposing slavery upon yourself. You are doing it to yourself because unforgiveness is self-imposed slavery. And it will take you from the freedom that God gives you into a slavery that you've chosen on your own. And let me explain why. Let me dig into this and explain why unforgiveness is self-imposed slavery. Because there are these two silent agreements that we make when we choose unforgiveness. When we choose to not forgive those who have hurt us, and we choose not to forgive those who have wronged us, there's these two silent agreements that we make. And the first silent agreement we make is an agreement with ourselves. And we agree this. Because when, when we can't forgive others, we are making a silent agreement that there are things in our lives 
that can't be forgiven as well. When I look in the life of someone who has hurt me, whether big, millions of dollars, or small, a couple dollars, when I look into their life and I see something that I can't forgive, I am making a silent agreement with myself that there are things that I have done that also can't be forgiven. Some of us actually, the starting point of our unforgiveness is the fact that we think there's things in our lives that could never be forgiven. And if I can never be forgiven, they should never be forgiven. And if I look at my life and my guilt and my shame is so big and what I did is so bad that when I look at them, they should suffer the way that I have suffered myself. Or perhaps, maybe follower of Jesus, you've accepted God's forgiveness and you've walked in this life of freedom. But that person who hurt you your ex-husband, your ex-wife, your mom, your dad, that person in your life who you just can't forgive, you've walked in freedom, but you cannot forgive them. You cannot let them go. And the more you, the more you do not let that thing go, the more that you refuse to forgive that, the more you begin to re-examine your own life. And maybe, just maybe, if they've done something that can't be forgiven, maybe, just maybe, there's things in my life that can't be forgiven too. And you give a foothold to guilt and to shame and to regret. God's heart was never for you to believe that you could never be forgiven. But when we believe that there are others who can't be forgiven, we make an implicit silent agreement that we can't as well. There's another silent agreement that we make. The first one we make is with ourselves, but then there's a second agreement that we make really with God. See, when we don't forgive others, when we hold others to the standard that forgiveness is something that must be earned, When we hold others to a standard that their debt can't be forgiven, that they must earn forgiveness of that debt, then we make an agreement with God that that's the standard that he must hold us to as well. When we choose unforgiveness, when we choose an eye for an eye, we are making a silent agreement with God that that's the system by which we want to live with him as well. And we place ourselves under that same eye for an eye standard with God. And we see this man who owed millions of dollars, who was completely forgiven, com- solely because of the mercy of, of God. Nothing else. He didn't deserve it. He didn't earn it. There was nothing he did to deserve that forgiveness. And yet mercy was given to him completely freely that set him free from that debt. And in his unforgiveness... He chose to place himself under the old standard. He walked away debt-free, but he communicated back to the king by choosing to not forgive the person who owed him that he was choosing to be placed under that same standard. And he took that debt back on himself. And he said, you know what, master, I want you to judge me by what I owe. Forget your mercy. I'm rejecting your mercy And I'm choosing instead to live by the standard that I'm enforcing on others that I owe in my life. And I know this because Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 18, 35. He says, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. What the king did to this servant, after he freed him, arresting him, throwing him into prison, that's what your heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. If you want to refuse God's, if you want to refuse God's way of grace for your own plan of debt repayment, God will let you do that. You have the free will to choose that system. You can reject God's system of free grace and free mercy, but you have to live by that rule book too. 
And Jesus, Jesus has, has talked about this even before he tells this story. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 through 15, Jesus says this, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Why? Because you chose the system by which you were going to live. You chose the system of free mercy, free grace, that says I'm going to forgive and I'm going to wipe away your debts. And if that's the system I'm choosing, then that's the system I live by and I choose to forgive those who've hurt me no matter what. Or you can choose the eye for an eye system. But if you choose it, you live by it. And if you choose it, then you owe for every moral debt that you have ever racked up. Not because God's holding it over your head, but because that's the system by which you chose to live. You see, God's plan, I mean, this, this is, Jesus is communicating, this is what the kingdom of God is like, right? This is God's plan for us, how he wants us to live. God's plan is to forgive us so that we can forgive others. He forgives us so that we can go out and then we can forgive others. He forgives us so that we can live life the way he would live it, so we can model his grace, model his character, model his love, and in doing that, we live like him, we surrender and we submit to him, and we do the same thing. We forgive others. That's his plan for how he's desired us and designed us to live. But God says if you want to follow your own plan, he will let you. But in rejecting to show grace, Rejecting to show mercy and rejecting to show forgiveness. You are now accountable to your own rules. And you have agreed, you've agreed to receive that grace and mercy from God, but to put it aside in order to live the way that you choose, an eye for an eye. And it's like, it's like when you buy something, right, and you get a warranty. Like you buy a new car and you got a year warranty, and no matter what goes wrong with it, you can come back within that year and you can just get anything fixed. No matter what happens, no matter what goes wrong, there's a warranty on it. God's forgiveness is this blanket warranty on your life that you are forgiven of your sin, that your moral record is free and clear. And in choosing unforgiveness, we take God's warranty and we say, not interested, because they hurt me, because they owe me. And we pass on this gift that God has given us. And I know this, like, when I'm talking about unforgiveness, I haven't even gotten into anything specific. I've kind of kept this kind of blanket, generic, because I know there's many different levels to this. There's many different layers to the, to the things that we deal with in our lives that we struggle to forgive. There might be small things. It might be a slight that somebody said to us in the, you know, the break room at work. And it really stuck in my craw and it really bothered me. And I really would love to give them a piece of my mind. Maybe it's just a small thing like that. Maybe there is a life-shattering thing that someone did to you when you were young and you had no choice and you had no power and it broke you and it hurt you and you've carried the scars and the wounds of that for years and years and years. And, and you're listening to this and you're like, Chris, you don't know how hard it is, this thing that you're asking me to do. You don't know how hard it is asking me to forgive this because some debts can never be paid back. Some debts can never be covered. They could never earn their way out of that. Chris, you don't understand. And that may be true. I might not. But God does. God understands 
You see, some of us may think that, that being forgiven by God is too easy. And that may be a criticism of like, when you look at Christianity, maybe you're not a Christian and you've looked at it and you're like, come on. Like, you just say, God, forgive me. And, I, you know, I'm going to... I'm going to read my Bible and pray, and then everything's good, and all the things I've ever done. What about a murderer on death row? What about a rapist? I mean, what about all the, those questions? You know, what about that? What about this? How could it possibly be that easy? If it's this easy, it can't be right. If it's this easy to be forgiven, then there's no way that this could be correct. And, and here's what I'm telling you. God understands how hard it is to forgive because it wasn't easy for Jesus to forgive. We look at it and we think, man, it's so easy. It wasn't easy for Jesus. Just accept God and it's all good. It wasn't easy for Jesus. You see, Jesus was rejected by his own people. Jesus was rejected by the people that he came to save. Jesus was arrested. Jesus was beaten. He was mocked. He was spit on. He was whipped with a whip that had nine lashes on it and little tiny pieces of metal at the end so that when they hit his back and was pulled out, it would dig in just that little bit deeper to cause a little bit more pain. Jesus had a crown of thorns from a, from a thorn tree. Like, you ever see, like, uh, I think it's like a hazelnut tree or a hazel tree, whatever it is. It's like, there are these trees and they have like three-inch thorns sticking out. I was playing, I was in a flashlight war one time at night with a bunch of teenagers when I was a youth pastor and I was being stupid and I was running away from getting caught and, and I was like, I was sprinting. I was not going to get caught and I was going to stop myself on a tree. So I put my hand up to the tree trunk and funk. It was one of those hazelnut trees with those thorns sticking way out of it and it hurt. And Jesus had a crown that someone had put together in mockery, pressed into his head. Then he carried a cross on his back on the scars, not even scars, on the open wounds from the whipping that he had just taken. And he carried that up a hill. And then he put his hands out and they nailed him to a cross where he hung and he bled. And their plan was for, for him to hang on that cross either until he bled to death, which ultimately is what happened, or until he would suffocate to death because the, the pressure on his feet and on his hands was so painful that he couldn't pull himself up to get a breath. See, that's what Jesus went through in order to forgive us. And it wasn't easy. It was hard. It was the hardest, most devastating, most painful thing that God has ever had to endure. And he did it simply for no other reason than to forgive us. God understands how hard it is to forgive because God walked a hard path to forgive us. And you know what happened? You know what Jesus said? When he was hanging on the cross, he'd been beaten. He was, the soldiers had nailed him up there. They'd taken his clothes off. He was naked and bloody. His, his shame and embarrassment and pain open and available to the entire world, to his family and his friends, to the people who abandoned him and said, this can't be the guy, to the people who were walking by and spitting on him because they thought that he was just another false messiah. Do you know what Jesus said in that moment? The worst moment of his life, the hardest thing he'd ever done, he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. It wasn't easy for Jesus to look down on the faces of the men who were killing him, who had spit on him, who were mocking him, and to say, God, forgive them. That was hard. Offering us forgiveness was the hardest, most painful thing that God ever did. And he did it so that we could be 
free of the guilt and the shame of our moral debt. This whole reason he did it, to be free of the things that we would be hostage to, to be free of the things that we would be slave to. And you will never know the fullness of forgiveness. You will never be able to experience the fullness of forgiveness until you forgive your mom, your dad, your old boss, your ex. You'll never experience the full forgiveness from God until you forgive. It was for freedom that Christ set us free, not for slavery. Stop selling yourself into slavery with your unforgiveness. Because the whip that you are using on the backs of those who owe you a debt is the same whip that's coming back and lashing your back as well. And God sent Jesus to die so that you could be free, forgiven to forgive. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're speaking to us this morning. And I pray, Lord, in your name that you would allow this message to sink deep into our hearts, God, because this is the heartbeat. This is the core not only of what you did for us, but how you want us to live. And it's not just how you want us to live because it's some expectation for, that you have for us, but it's how you want us to live so that we can know freedom in its fullest. Everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed. Head bowed, eyes closed. If you are here and you struggle with forgiving someone, there's someone who's hurt you. Maybe it's a devastating thing that they did to you. Maybe it's just something you can't shake, you can't stop thinking about, but it just bothers you, it just nags at you. And today, you've got to let that thing go because you are tired of living in unforgiveness and you are tired of being a slave to the things that you are, that you are imprisoning yourself to. And you're just saying, Chris, I need to forgive and I need God's help to forgive. If that's you, just as a sign of commitment to God and let, for me to pray for you, I need to forgive. Just slip your hand up right now. I need, I'm tired of living in unforgiveness. I need to let these things go. Father, I pray with every single person who's lifted their hand today, Jesus, just symbolically, God, I lift my hands and surrender to you, and I hold up these debts that I have held that are owed to me by others, and Father, I open my hands and I let them go, and today, Jesus, as hard as it may be, as long as I've been holding on to this thing, God, I choose forgiveness. I choose to say I forgive. I choose to think I forgive. And even though I don't feel I forgive, today I choose to repeat that over and over in my mind, over and over and over again in my heart until it's real. I forgive them. I forgive you. I forgive. Lord, I pray that as we forgive, I pray, Jesus, that so too will we experience the forgiveness that comes from you, the freedom, the release, the joy that comes from walking in total freedom from our debt, from having our permanent record completely cleared and forgiven. Jesus, I thank you for what you did when you died on the cross to forgive me. And I I live in that. I choose that. That's the system by which I choose to live, believing that, God, I was forgiven to forgive. And I pray all of this in your awesome and in your holy name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.